Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to the Race Haven Radio Show and Podcast. Your source for solutions-focused dialogue about race in America. With your host, Scott Speed. My name is Dr. Scott Speed, and I am the facilitator of the dialogue. Today, we are going to dialogue about sports and race relations. Many people feel like we need to keep, keep the two topics separate, and today we, we're going to explore if that's even really possible. So we don't get to talk about sports very often, so I'm excited to do so. Um, and, you know, I'm excited about the two guests that we have on today. And one of one of whom knows me as a you know we we built our relationship around sports uh, back in the day, but I'll get to that in just a second. But before I do, I want to introduce first uh, my my friend and guest co-host uh, John Costino, who's joining us again for this episode. John, how are you doing today? Oh, hold on, let me get you off mute. How are you doing today, John? <laughs> a lot of people. There's a lot of people that wish they had that kind of power all the time. I'm doing great, Scott. It's always great to be here with you, my friend. Awesome, awesome, man. Glad to, glad to have you. I know it's been a few episodes since you've, you've been on, so I'm sure the listeners are glad to have your perspective back on the show as well. And um, I want to also introduce our listeners to, again, a, a former high school basketball teammate of mine uh, and the host of the War Room Sports podcast, Devin McMillan. Dev, what's up, man? Oh, hey, what's up, Dr. Speed? <laughs> Good to be here, man. Appreciate it. Oh, man, I appreciate you carving out some time uh, for this show, man. I know you're a busy man. You're traveling. you got a, a growing family at home, and you have your own yeah. very successful uh, podcast. And, uh, you know, I, I want you to, you know, just share with our listeners a little bit about War Room Sports, and then at the end you can tell them, you know, how they can contact you. But if you can just give us a little bit about War Room Sports. Okay, well, quickly about World Room Sports. Uh, like Scott told you, our, our main thing is podcasting. and um, We do have a podcast, a mothership podcast, if you will, because at this point we have a whole network of shows. Uh, as a matter of fact, we've been trying to get Scott and, and Race Haven on the World Room Sports Podcast Network. But uh, we, we like to talk sports uninhibited. We like to the real you know, so the the type of things that you guys talk about here, like we do dive into those topics as well from the sports perspective. Um, you can see everything we're doing at warroomsports.com. Uh, my partners in that venture are also former high school basketball teammates of Scott and myself. 
Uh, very interesting. Make sure you guys check it out whenever you can. Awesome, man. I couldn't wait to, to get you on for that reason because it's cool um, whenever I'm able to get, you know, guests on that I have some history with. And, you know, when I when I figured out that, you know, actually John brought this topic, uh, you know, to me, and he said we should do a show about some of the things that's going on around race relations in the sports world. And I was really excited to do that. Uh, and immediately I said, man, Dev would be such a good, you know, uh, uh, guest to come on and dialogue with us about this because this is your work. This is what you do. So I'm really excited about the synergy that we're going to have on today's show, uh, and we're going to get into it in just a moment. Uh, but before we do, I want to first uh, take a moment uh, to tell our listeners about how they can become a supporter of this show by becoming a patron. Uh, my goal is to have an entirely user-supported show free of advertisements. So I created what's called a Patreon page uh, so that our listeners can earn cool perks from Race Haven T-shirts by supporting the ongoing improvement and quality of this show. So please visit racehavenpodcast.com and click See Offers to see all the details. And before we get into the show, I'd like to always start out uh, by letting our listeners know that our show um, believes that dialogue is greater than debate. And the reason why is because in debate there can only be one winner, whereas in dialogue participants work together towards collective solutions, win-wins. So our goal during this show is to model dialogue, uh, and that's what we do, and that's what we've been doing successfully for 33 shows. This is our 34th show, uh, so I'm excited about that, and we're going to get into it. So, John and Devin, are you ready? I'm ready. Absolutely, sir. All right, so welcome to the dialogue. So we're going to jump right into it, um, you know, and Dev, you kind of, you know, hinted at the fact that during your show, you guys discuss race relations topics. And one of the first questions that I have for you is, is this. You know, when I'm listening to various sports shows, um, you know, uh, in, in various sports shows and, and various, you know, podcasts, specifically when I'm watching, like, SportsCenter and things like that, um, you know, Michael, Michael Smith and Jamel Hill's show, for example, on SportsCenter, they, they cover a lot of race-related topics. And one of the things that they always say is that their listeners or their watchers and viewers will say stick to sports. So it's like this thing where a lot of uh, the, the viewers are like stick to sports. So I wanted to know, you know, on your show, do you experience, uh, you know, do you ever have some of your callers or listeners say, man, you guys need to really just stick to sports? And my question for you is, one, do you get that question? And two, how realistic is that really? Uh, Scott, we hear that all the time, not necessarily from callers. Um, you know, we have a select few callers, like loyal callers who call in every week, and they're usually good with the dialogue, but if you check our social media pages, you'll see that a lot. And it's interesting that you brought up uh, Michael and Jamel because we had that very conversation with them on one of our shows where, you know, we talked about how people like to put you in that box and, and try to get you to stick to one thing as if we aren't human beings being affected by things like this mm -hmm. as well. But we get that all the time, especially on social media, not really from the people who actually have the heart to call in, but, you know, the, right. the people behind right. the keyboard. Why do you think that is? What, the fact that it's, you know, mainly people behind the keyboards? Well, okay, thank you for clarifying. No, why do you think that um, that people feel that way? Why do you think they feel that you should just stick to sports? Do you, I just want to go a little deeper into that. I, 
And, John, I'm going to come think to you with some, that question as well. I think some people, a lot of people who are deep into sports, I think they use that world as an escape. So, you know, I, I think a lot of people just don't like to mix sports and reality. No matter what people have going on, you can have, you know, multiple problems in your life. You sit down on Sunday to watch a football game. You forget about all of that for three hours. So when people are listening sure. to sports radio and, and things of that sort, I just think a lot of people don't want to mix the two. And then the bigger picture is a lot of people are just uncomfortable with having these conversations. John, what's your perspective on that? Why do you think that uh, people in the sports, I guess sports fans in general, have that stick to sports? Uh, not all, obviously, but a lot have that stick to sports, you know, mentality or disposition. I'm going to actually piggyback on what was just said because I think he hit on a really key point. Um, so many people, and I don't want to speak for anybody other than myself, but I've noticed that so many people prefer to, like he said, disappear. When it comes to sports, it's almost like people get to be colorblind for three hours and they don't see, uh, you know, European-American, African-American, Hispanic. They see the jersey. They see the, the name on the front of the jersey and the helmet and the emblem. And that's why, you know, you'll see like in movies, a team wins a Super Bowl or they win a World Series and everybody's hugging and kissing for like the next, you know, couple of days. There's no problem. Like even the rioting, the rioting is like, all, all for one. We're going to burn the city down together. There's not a fight. It's not, you know what I mean? It's like you'll never see whites, blacks, and Hispanics all doing forces to burn everything together until the Lakers win another, you know, championship. And the irony of it is it, it, they almost become colorblind. So then when they're watching Sports Center or whatever they're watching, they don't want to be brought back into race because that's everywhere at all times. They want to invest a little time in that fantasy of we're all one because we wear, you know, a Boston Celtics jersey or a Chicago Bears jersey. That's what I've perceived because I've seen it in just the craziest of environments where people that you would never bonding are bonding over a team's emblem or, like I said, the name on the front of the jersey. Hmm. That's interesting. Um you know, as I listen to both of your responses, I can't help but come. I can't help but want to like go a little bit deeper and ask the question. And I know we're we're just you know giving hypotheticals, and we can really only speak for ourselves and what we perceive. Um, but it's interesting, John, how you said that you know people from all ethnic backgrounds can just kind of just forget about that when it's you know when there's a game. I mean, because at the end of the day, you know, sports, um, you know, it's a game. And if a team wins a championship, they all celebrate together or they'll ride together or, you know, whatever, and they could put all that down. And, you know, I just wonder why we're not able to do that, um, you know, generally speaking. Um, you don't have to have any thoughts on that, but does anyone have any, any thoughts on that? Anyone kind of want to go in that rabbit hole with me? Devin, feel free to go ahead, but absolutely, nope. I would love to dive deeper into that. Yeah, um. I mean, it was basically more of the of what we we hit on. Like, I, I, it's it's crazy how sports to a lot of people out there, it, it's it's basically fantasy. And I know my co-host Jimmy, he always says this. He always says that sports is a microcosm of society. So it's kind of difficult to get away from the regular quote unquote problems of society 
you know, just because we're watching sports or we're bonding over sports. So it's an interesting discussion that we have all the time that we just haven't been able to come up with the solutions to. Yeah, uh, no doubt. It's That's why I find it interesting that people would say, you know, stick to sports because there's so much involved in sports that's uh, related to the system of race. Um, and it's kind of like they just go hand in hand in so many ways. Um, and, I guess it's just I guess it just depends on your perspective, which you know, which is a good segue into you know, John and and why you wanted to do this show and and why you thought it would be a good idea. So you know, for our listeners and for you, Devin, um, John tagged me on a post on Facebook. Someone put up the meme, and Dev, you may have seen this. There was a meme that said, um, and I'm pulling this together, paraphrasing, but there was a meme that talked about patriotism when it comes to this fight. And the meme hinted at the fact that, you know, where, is, where are, you know, Euro-Americans now with their patriotism? Because here we have an American, Floyd Mayweather, fighting an Irishman, Conor McGregor. But the sentiment seems to be that the majority, or, or let's say this, a large segment of European-Americans are rooting for Conor McGregor, whereas, the, and, and basically the whole patriotism thing has been thrown out the window. So that was the meme. Dev, have you seen that meme that I'm speaking of? Um, I haven't seen that one, actually. I need to look I'm surprised. That up. I'm surprised you haven't seen it. Um, so with that being said, uh, someone posted that on Facebook uh, that's a mutual friend of John and ours, and uh, a mutual Facebook friend at least, and John tagged me on it, and, you know, he wanted my perspective. And John's statement around, you know, basically under that comment, and John, you can elaborate, but it was around. A, it was basically saying that, you know, this is just a fight. Let's not bring race into it. Let's just enjoy the fight. You know, yeah, they're they're putting on a clown show, and they're using every angle they can, whether it be racism, sexism, misogyny, you know, all these various things, whether it be visual or through the things they're saying. But John's sentiment overall was, you know, there's no need to bring all that other stuff uh, in it. Or as John quote, said, something about the race card. So. John, what I wanted to do is give you a chance to, you know, just ask you, what did you mean by that, and, you know, what were you feeling when you saw that meme? Well, you know, honestly, Scott, what I initially was feeling was just disappointment that people, for whatever reason, and, again, European-American, African-American, I don't care, can't just appreciate the entertainment. Like, if, if you're going to comment on it, clearly you have skin in the game. You're rooting for one of them. But to at this point, take anything that either Mayweather or McGregor is saying seriously is, is beyond ludicrous because we know they're over the top. It's become as crazy as anything. I mean, the WWF, uh, professional boxing, UFC, that's their job to get out there and promote and basically create so much, you know, of a controversy and stir up the pot enough that people will pay 50 to $100 for a pay-per-view. That's what they're doing. They're there to sell tickets. And the irony of it is neither one of them would be classified as good guys. You know, whatever you want to say about Mayweather, whatever you want to say about McGregor, they both have really checkered pasts. So there's nothing, there's not a redeeming quality. It's not like, you know, David versus Goliath. So, Love one, hate the other one, say what you want to say, but to bring race into it is just, to me, again, just insane because 
you can defend and argue why you love one or the other, and I don't care what color your skin is, it's boxing versus mixed martial arts. It's, they're not even in the same um, category. And that right there is a huge deciding factor because mixed martial arts is on the upswing. McGregor is extremely popular all over the world. And Mayweather has been retired for two years. He hasn't even fought anybody in two years. So to simply say because, you know, a white guy is rooting for Conor McGregor, it has to be racism. Like I said, it's, just, it's insane. And it just made me sad that people couldn't just engage in the entertainment of it without trying to taint it. And just felt like there's just no place that we can go today that people don't toss the hand grenade of race in, even when it's clear that there's not, it's not the agenda. That's why I tagged you say it's not the agenda. See if my, I wanted to see if my perspective was even on point. That's why I initially tagged you in there for your thoughts. I want to go dig a little deeper. When you say that race isn't the agenda, what, what do you mean by that? Well, I mean, I'm rooting for Conor McGregor. I hope he does a good job. I know he's going to get killed. I know Mayweather's going to win the fight. Um, but I enjoy watching McGregor because I'm a mixed martial arts fan. And the fact that he's willing to go in and fight in boxing to all the boxing rules, I think takes tremendous courage knowing he's going to get slaughtered. So as much as I will root for McGregor, it doesn't make me racist. But if I start posting that stuff, I now have to climb up that, that uh, very slippery slope where I know that the agenda is not about race. The agenda is to make $200 million. That's what they both have made very publicly clear. So that's what I mean by there's no race agenda. These two guys are businessmen, and they're going to make $200 million for one night. That has nothing to do with race. A white guy and a black guy, an Irishman and an American, they're going to make $200 million to spend, you know, 12 three-minute rounds dancing. Okay, so so Devin, if, if when I gave you the um, the visual of what this meme was trying to convey, you know, basic basically in line with kind of what John was just saying, uh, what do you think about that meme? Uh, you know, and it's funny because I think I've read some things about how you feel about memes, and you may have read some about how I felt about memes on on Facebook, but um, <laughs> just the whole idea that hold on, if this was let's just say this was two people of European ancestry that were fighting, one was American, one was European and Irish, that the, the meme is basically saying that, you know, the, the, most Americans will probably be rooting for the European-American. But since it's an African-American, now it seems like most, you, you know, that visual and what that's trying to convey. What's your, what, what's your take on that? Um, first, I, race and nationality have always been prevalent in boxing, probably a little more than to admit probably a little more than we've been, you know, we're, we're comfortable with. Um, actually, Adrian Broner, who fought this past weekend, he was fighting someone of Mexican descent. He spoke out about that prior to the fight saying how, you know, black people don't stand behind their own when, when it comes to boxing, like, for instance, Mexicans do. Uh, so it's, race and nationality has always played a part, like even the boxing matches that I've gone to in my lifetime. Like I, I went to a Pacquiao-Barrera uh, fight back in like 2006, 2007, and the whole arena was basically divided by uh, 
people, you know, from one nationality and the other, and tensions were flaring in there the whole time. Um, I say this to say uh-huh. it, it's always been a component, and I do believe that there is something to it. Now, Floyd Mayweather may rub some people the wrong way of, you know, other races, his own race. However, you know, for someone to be a part of this fight, like a Conor McGregor, who's not even from America, and he still get Americans that, you know, the, the white Americans to root for him, I, I think that there has to be something to it. You know, I don't, I don't like to stir that pot myself, but... Well, no, there that's why I threw myself in there, Deb, and that way we can talk about it. That's why I threw myself right. in there, because I get exactly what you're saying, but I'm seriously a mixed martial arts fan. I know right. Mayweather's going to kill him in the boxing match, but I'm a mixed martial arts fan. That's truly where my loyalty is. It's not white, black. It's not Irish. It's not American. It's, it's UFC mixed martial arts. I'm, like, basically throwing myself in my original comment about people bonding over the, the helmet emblem or the jersey versus the ethnicity. I, I love mixed martial arts. I don't really enjoy boxing. Right. Well, you guys made the, the point earlier in the in the dialogue saying, you know, if this was a fight between, you know, a European-American and someone from any other country, it would overwhelmingly be, you know, the fan base from America versus the fan base from the particular country where the other fighter was from. But when it comes to – now, like I said, some of this can be self-inflicted by Floyd and some of the antics, but it just doesn't seem the same way when it's a fighter of African-American descent. And, and they've spoken out about this themselves. So it's, it's a slippery slope there. Can, can I throw a for, a for so, instance in there for your feedback? Sure. If we, instead of making it these two guys, said it was a heavyweight fight and it was John Jones – who's African-American with an extremely checkered criminal history against Vladimir Kichko, who is, I think he's Russian, heavyweight champion, PhD, you know, educated to the highest levels. I would be rooting for John Jones against Vladimir Kichko. Right. I mean, because like you said, you're from that world. You, you enjoy but I'm not, MMA. That's what I'm saying. I'm, I'm saying I would switch over now. Right. And nobody could, nobody could throw race at me, but I'd be saying the same thing. I'd be like, John Jones has domestic abuse, uh, DUIs, cocaine uh, arrests. Like, it's not, I'm not rooting for him because he's a choir boy. He's African-American. I'm European-American. But he's mixed martial arts. So I'm saying that there really is a possibility that there could be somebody rooting without an agenda. And that's why I'm giving you the for instance because – I would take John Jones over any of the the boxers, you know, European American, African American. Wouldn't matter because again, it's it's the mixed martial arts, and I believe that that is a more popular sport right now. The last five years, maybe the last ten years, hmm. and so. Go ahead. I'm sorry. No, I was just going to say. Well, there's exceptions to every rule, and I don't even know if that's the rule per se. But you know, you're you're admitting that you can. I mean, that's that's your box. You're an MMA fan. I just don't know if everybody else out there would feel the exact same way as you. So where you may switch and, and root for a John Jones, had it been him in this situation, I don't know if everybody else can get past the fact that, you know, first, he's black. Second, he has a criminal past. 
drug history, things of that nature. I don't know if the, the overwhelming majority would be able to get over those facts the way that you could just because you're an MMA fan. That's all I'm saying. No, no, I agree with you 100%. So, I, just need, I just need to throw it out there because I need people right, to right. really understand it's not always about race. Sometimes it is, many times it is, but it's not always. So let me jump in. I appreciate that, that level of nuance and that um, because I think that's needed, John. Um, and basically, you know, from what you're saying and the example you gave and then the reverse scenario with John Jones, I think that that's, uh, you know, that's good for people to hear, especially using yourself instead of us speculating. Um, that there is a segment of people out there who are like you who are just like MMA guys, and you're going to root for the MMA guy versus the boxing guy because it's like MMA versus boxing. Um, Because I think that that needs to be heard because I believe there are certain people out there who think that it is strictly about, you know, the race of the person, and that's where people's uh, interests lie. Um, However, I want to know what you think about this, John, because, I think – well, let me, let me throw this at you because I, I gave you this example in the, in the Facebook comments when we were going back and forth. Um, there was another friend of mine on Facebook uh, of, of, of European descent who posted about the fight as well, and only people of European descent responded to him, and he basically said something to the effect that, you know, I know that McGregor's going to you know, get killed, but I'm still rooting for, uh, for McGregor. And then there was a couple other people that commented, like, yeah, I'm rooting for the white guy, et cetera, et cetera, in his comments. And there was nothing in terms of the, you know, the MMA or anything like that, like you're stating. So in my, in my gut, just based on being an American, my gut tells me that subconsciously, uh, you know, subconsciously that for a lot of Americans, it is just that. Subconsciously, it is, you know, the bottom line is I don't want to root for the African dude when I, I want to root for the European dude. So what do you think about that, John? I think it absolutely has merit. I think that what we're talking about right now is something we've discussed on many of these um, podcasts. It's the low-hanging fruit. It's the, the ignorance of the uneducated, which are usually the most outspoken. Um, and, and that's the part that you know, pissed me off when I was starting to see the comments and why I reached out to you initially, because it's kind of like – when you're in a discussion with somebody and they start to like lose their, their, their defensible position, it's easy to just resort to calling names or cursing because it's such a sign of ignorance that you're running out of intelligent things to say. And I think that's how it applies here where there's a lot of people that just because of their ignorance, because of their just lack of anything of substance, just resort to the race. And so for me, I don't think I'm going to change the world, but I just, as you know, Scott, I'm not comfortable sitting by quietly. So when I see stupidity, I call it out. And if people want to then turn their frustration towards me, hey, what the hell? I enjoy a good discussion, debate, argument, whatever you want to bring, but I just can't sit back and allow the uneducated, ignorant minority groups on both sides of the spectrum to be the loud voice that no one responds to. I can appreciate that. Um, yeah. Deb, you have anything you want to add about that based on what John just said? No, I, I just wanted to tell John okay. I, I definitely agree. It's always It always seems like it's the ignorant of the bunch that's the loudest, <laughs> and I, I totally understand that. Absolutely. In, in fact, I think that's complete... one of the things that – go ahead, John. Well, I was going to say in a completely unrelated thing, 
I was out watching UFC 214 Saturday night, and it was uh, John Jones and Daniel Cormier. And in the middle of it, two guys start arguing because of John Jones' criminal history. And it's like, Jesus, God, guys, just relax and enjoy the fight. Like, if you don't like him, stay home. Don't come out. We all know, you know, what he's gone through. So we even see it when it was African-American versus African-American. The ignorance just comes out from the stupid people that don't have anything of substance to say. Yeah. And to go a little bit deeper, I just, what does it say about America? The fact that, um, you know, that we use that low hanging fruit, you know, banter to, to sell the fight. Like for me personally, I would never pay for this fight. And I know like for some people like John, I know you're like, you know, it's entertainment. I'm going to just enjoy the entertainment. I don't know if you're going to pay for the fight or if you're going to watch it, but based on, I'm assuming, you can Hell tell me no, if I'm wrong. I'm going, that you, I'm going <laughs> to the bar to watch it. <laughs> okay, you're not going to pay for it, but you are going to go somewhere and watch it. Okay, so you're all about the entertainment, and you're ready for this entertainment value, right? And, you know, for me, it just kind of angers me. It angers me, and I feel like it's like it's, the fact that they are using, you know, race, um, you know, trumpeting up race, and like Devin hinted at, that not only has race always been an issue with uh, been in, in a, a part or a theme of, of boxing, but the boxers themselves have used race, um, you know, as a selling point, whether to get people on my side or whether to get more people to hate me so that they want me to lose, you know, and listening to, you know, Muhammad Ali's uh, autobiography, you know, he spoke to that, you know, very, very much so how he wanted people to, he didn't mind if people hated him because that would be more people coming out to spend money to see him lose, and that's how they make their money. And it's just like because of this work and because of what we do here at Race Haven and because of this journey I've been on and the more, you know, stuff I've been learning, it's just like I just want to go against all of that. And, Dev, I know this is your business. You know, this is how you, right. you know, make a living um, is sports. <laughs> But, like, what does that say about America that we continue to use something that's been so divisive throughout our history, entertainment value, and so many people continue to, instead of stomping it out, we don't want to really stomp out race because race sells. Race is entertaining. Any thoughts right. on that? And, and, no, it, it's, it's upsetting to me, too. And as a pure sports fan, I think this fight in general is, is making a total mockery of boxing. Um, I definitely won't pay for it, but, I, you know, I, I can't 100% say I wouldn't watch it if somebody invited me to watch the fight. However, you know, what you said about Muhammad Ali, like if you look at the trajectory of Floyd Mayweather's career, he didn't really start, like he became Floyd Money Mayweather when he switched to a formula of, okay, I'm going to do things now to make more people hate me, therefore more people are going to come out right. to see me lose, I make more money. So what you said is, is 100% right. on point because his, the second half of his career has been all about that. And now it's it's to the point where he will allow this, like this fight. Like if you watch those press conferences or clippings of those press conferences, race was the issue at the forefront. And when you sit back and you look at everything, I kind of think they were doing things purposely in order to sell the fight. Mm-hmm. And and yep. just like you, like it, it upsets Bingo. me that, yeah, you could, it upsets me that people in, in this day and age, you know, after all that we've learned about race relations in America, past and current, that we can basically, 
you know, if I can use an unpopular term, sell out to the point of playing that kind of stuff up just to make more money. Oh, my goodness. And the fact that they're going to make so much money, it's, money. It's, like, <laughs> it's, like an, it's like an agreement. It's like an agreement, you know, I mean, and it's, like, it's almost like an agreement. Like, you guys keep the masses entertained and distracted while, you know, the people with, all, with, with real money, you know, the top 1% or billionaires, and I know this makes some people may think, oh, here we go with this, uh, you know, these conspiracy-type theories or all these things, but I just can't help but like see these connections in a, in a way it's like we're willing to pay these people you know hundreds of millions of dollars to keep the masses subdued and entertained so they really can't come and keep you know look at us and and you know come with their pitchforks um and that's kind of how i see it and i'm just being honest like i'm not participating in that the fact that these dudes are going to make a hundred million and everyone knows they, it's not even a comparable fight it's like you said it's making a mockery out of this out of both you know uh disciplines um, that they're coming together because they knew that they can play up all these things and these two big personalities and et cetera. Um, and it's, it's just, it saddens me. It saddens me. John, you have any thoughts on that? No, I agree. I agree with you 100%. I respect you so much, you know, Scott, for saying that I will not even watch it. And I mean that. I respect the hell out of you for that. And that's the whole point, meaning you recognize it's entertainment, it's disrespectful, I don't honor it, boom, and you make the statement. I'm on the other side saying I'm purely entertained by it. I don't think either one of them mean a single word of what they say, and I already agree with you that, yeah, it is. It's not just a mockery of the sport, but it is a furthering of the elitist, we're rich, keep them entertained, and, and keep them, like you said, just subdued. Um, but that's where I said it's the people in between you and in between me that are getting angered over things that are comical, and that's my fear is then it spills into a neighborhood playground or um, a whatever. Like People just have got to understand whether you love it or whether you don't want to watch it, it's still not real. It's entertainment. They're hyping things up. It's like watching a movie and wondering, are they shooting real bullets? No, they're really not killing people in the movie. It's entertainment. And that's what these two clowns are doing, is they're entertaining the hell out of everybody, pissing people off, of course, but they're doing it for the entertainment shock value because they want the $200 million payday. There were even rumors that these guys were flying around on the same private jet to do these press conferences. I'm not sure if that's been debunked or not. But someone was I would, I would believe that, that they were. I bet they're playing cards the whole time, too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, w- I wouldn't doubt it. You know, I wouldn't doubt it. And, you know, it's interesting, John, you just said that you admire that I'm taking that stance. And that's a good segue because, uh, you know, admittedly and painfully, I'm thinking about taking another stance. And I say painfully because football, NFL football is like my favorite pastime, like a lot of Americans, right? I've totally bought in. And I love football, and I love spending time on Sundays watching it. However, I am so, so, so disappointed that Colin Kaepernick isn't signed, but there's 96 other quarterbacks in the NFL uh, that, are, that are on rosters, many of whom don't, do not have his resume, probably the overwhelming uh, two-thirds of which do not have his resume as a, as a, um, you know, as a, a quarterback, as a starter, um, you know, starting quarterback in the NFL. And – the fact that he hasn't he isn't signed it, it it says a lot 
um, about the NFL. It says a lot about America. And I am, I am really thinking to myself that if he isn't signed before the season, that I'm not going to purchase the Sunday ticket like I normally do. Uh, and I'm not going to watch football this year because just to, as a personal, you know, protest. And I may speak on it every Sunday just to get on people's nerves on Facebook or something and do more shows because, you know, it disgusts me. And what I want to do is I want to share a post that I wrote on Facebook uh, a couple of months ago uh, about this. And I said, the fact that Colin Kaepernick isn't signed because so many Americans refuse to either acknowledge or learn the nuance behind his protests is appalling. The gross absence of empathy and deficiency in the skill of dialogue from far too many people is one of the many reasons we live in the not United States of America. The message being sent by the intolerant, intolerant segment of Americans who have protested his signing is loud and clear. The struggle still continues. End quote. That was my quote on Facebook. And then I also want to give you guys this to think about when you comment. I was watching something literally just today that someone sent me uh, where uh, there was a show and, and a host was talking about this Colin Kaepernick issue. And the, the guy was saying that basically the NFL owners and general managers have proven that, you know, domestic abuse is forgivable. Um, mm-hmm. Sexual abuse is forgivable. DUI is forgivable. Dog fighting drug charges forgivable but kneeling during the national anthem in protest of the disproportionate killing of African Americans at the hands of police is not forgivable what the heck does that say about America it, it says a lot first? The, the craziest part of that Scott is that a lot of the people who are up in arms about it has yet to even acknowledge the reasons behind this protest you know they just I've seen people just make things up Oh, he's disrespecting the military. A lot of people in the military actually came out to his defense saying we're not offended. Like that has nothing to do with the military. You know, he's he's kneeling for the national anthem because he just doesn't think that the flag, he doesn't think America is upholding everything that the flag is supposed to symbolize. They get that. They understand that. Yet people still ignore it and they still want to throw out those little anecdotes like he's disrespecting the military, he's disrespecting this, he's disrespecting that. But but no one has yet to actually acknowledge what he was protesting for. That's what gets me. I don't get it. And, and, and like you said, it's like people are literally making stuff up in their heads about what he meant by it, even though he didn't say that's what he meant. It's so, self-justification. Nah, why is it Colin Kaepernick signed? Colin Kaepernick is not signed for the very reason you said. Our country revolves around the dollar. I say it all the time. You know I've said it for decades, and people get pissed because they don't want to really understand or recognize that. Everything is always about the money. And the only reason Colin Kaepernick is not signed is there's still too much of an undercurrent that people feel, oh, if we sign them, because Baltimore was on the verge of signing them. I don't know where that's at now, but um, if they sign them, there's going to be a drop-off in fan base, um, a lack of you know, support for all the ancillary money-making things that go into an NFL franchise. And I'm going to take a step into what you said, because welcome to my world now. I haven't watched the NFL for probably five or six years for very similar reasons that you already mentioned. Um, I just got finally sick and tired when the domestic abuse was just 
reckless disregard for human life and, and basic common courtesy and humanity was no longer a part of it. I was like, you know what? I don't need to invest any time into this, you know, BS because I truly don't care. I have no, uh, no investment in it. And to give any more of my, my time and emotion to a bunch of people who don't give a crap about anything about making money, whether it's an athlete or whether it's the ownership, the NFL is a money-making machine, and that is the reason Colin is not going to play or has not been signed. Whether he gets signed or not is irrelevant right now. They've made a huge statement that they don't want to risk losing money by bringing him in, even though he's talented. But like you said, you can get a DUI. You can you can basically run someone over and get charged, convicted, and, and go to jail for manslaughter and come back and play in the NFL. But you can't make a, a public statement. Whether someone agrees with him or not is irrelevant. He made a statement, kill anybody, and he gets blackballed right. for that. Man, John, you just said something that – something just came up for me in what you said, and it just – you know, it speaks to, I think, a lot about what goes on because you said that you already took that stance. You know, you took that stance years ago because there were some issues that were meaningful to you, right, that you correct, felt like correct. the NFL was turning their back on, et cetera. And what that made me realize is that, you know what, none of those things made me ever made me turn away from the NFL. And it took this issue – to make me want to turn away from the NFL because this is in my wheelhouse. This is something that I, I care about. And I actually feel bad about that. I actually feel bad because there's probably people who turned away from the NFL because of the domestic abuse um, and the fact that players continue to get drafted or continue to get signed after some really heinous, heinous, you know, abuse issues with domestic abuse, even with the Mike Vick thing, even though the dog fighting isn't something that I'm sensitive to, in the way that others are, there's people who turned away for that, and I kept watching. Correct. The, 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 the manslaughter charges and people who've killed people, you know, and things like that, and, you know, they, 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 people turn away, but I kept watching. So it's interesting because I posted something the other day on Facebook, and I know a lot of people take it in the way they want to take it, but I know what it meant to me. And I posted something that said, hurt people hurt people <clears throat> and oppress people oppress people. And basically – like we all, and the thing that comes for me, that comes to mind, is I have another saying where I like to say, you know, we, you know, we, we all participate in our own oppression. And what I mean by that is, when it comes to the dollar, when you, what you talked about with the dollar, John, you know, it's, it would be easy for us to want to take these moral high ground standings on certain things, but then you got people like Devin who make their living, you know, off of sports. So. It's like we all participate, if not in our own oppression, in other people's oppression, because I'm entertained. I like the NFL. I keep paying for the Sunday ticket or going to games or whatever because I'm entertained, and that's my thing. So I'm, I'm talking, and I hope one of you, Dev, you maybe can jump in on this because you feel this conflict I'm feeling in myself because it literally just came up for me, and I'm realizing as I become more aware and I become more woke, as people say, it's like, right. man, I'm not perfect. I speak up about certain things, but I have my blind spots too. Now, we I, all I do. We're the, all human. Right. I feel the exact same conflict. And like you said, the fact that this is what I do, it makes it even worse. Um, you know, my partner and co-host, Jimmy, he's already announced that he's pretty much going to boycott the NFL this season. And 
mm-hmm. considering what we do, that's a very, you know, it's a, it's a risky position to take. You know, like what if we all decided to take that stance? Like, what will we, what will we talk about? You know, throughout the whole NFL season, when that's really, you know, the only game in town that people are paying attention to during that period. Um, I definitely have these inner conflicts because, and sitting here listening to you guys, just like you, Scott, like. I just had a moment as well because the NFL has had a lot of problems in the past with domestic abuse and and things of that nature, and we really weren't ready to take a stance over that stuff, and it does make me feel bad that it takes something that we consider to be racist uh, to to actually want to stand up and do something. Um, Yeah, it's a conflict. It's hard. Man, this is this well, is heavy, I'll, man. I'll this throw is my, really heavy. I'll throw my two cents in. I'll throw my two because here's we we've touched on it, but I'll say it this way: no one has ever had the balls to follow through with it because it's our it's basically in our DNA. We all three of us grew up playing sports. Devin, I'm assuming if you're the same age as, as Scott, he's about ten years younger than me. We all grew up playing sports, watching sports, we were invested in it. And that's not the sports of today. You know, back in that time frame, you got drafted by a team. There was no free agency. That was the team you retired with. And so there was a sense of loyalty. There was a sense of whatever. So free agency, you know, changed things to where now players could go chase a big contract and the loyalty to the team and to the fan base wasn't there. That wasn't enough to push me away. But when the domestic abuse, I mean, one of the first early ones I remember, you know, that affected me was the, the, um, the Ray Lewis incident at the Super Bowl, like in 2000. But then it just got progressively worse with Ray Rice, Greg Hardy, and, and I mean, dozens and dozens of other documented, not alleged, but documented cases. Um, but no one ever had the courage to, in mass, stand up and say, we're not going to support the NFL anymore. So the NFL said, screw it, we'll just keep doing it because it makes us money, and as long as they can throw touchdowns or, or tackle quarterbacks and cause sacks, and we'll let it go. If we, the three of us, are all saying, you know, holy crap, this shit's not acceptable, how do we find a way to actually engage the masses to say, hey, this shit's not acceptable because when people stop buying Sunday tickets, buying uniforms, tuning in, ratings drop, then they'll say, hey, guess what? Maybe we should cut this crap out because people are not appreciating it and supporting it anymore. That's what it comes down to. And I'm not saying I've got the answer, but it's the reason why the three of us have gone through what we've gone through because we're waking up to it. But we've got to find a way to wake the masses up and say, they're going to listen when we start speaking with our dollars, not with our mouths. Right. And that's why the NFL has remained king because, you know, as much as people threaten to turn away from the NFL, not a lot of people actually do it. So like you said, the NFL just continues to to do the same things that they do. It's interesting to me though, that the first time that the league actually feels threatened by something it's not even a case of criminality. Like this guy exactly. did what a America, <laughs> right? He he did what America supposed supposedly was built on, and Free speech, now yeah. the NFL threatened enough to basically blackball this guy 
because they're afraid of the backlash that the fan base may have if a team signs him. And I, and the whole time I've I've always said, you know, it only takes one team. You know, you can use that cliche for a, a, a bunch of situations, but it only takes one team. But even if – because he is still talking with the Baltimore Ravens, even though they signed somebody else, they said their talks with Colin Kaepernick are still on. Like, there's still a problem here, but I think there's a whole lot of NFL fans who have threatened to walk away from the league because of this situation. I think they're all holding their breath and just hoping that that one team that I spoke of <laughs> – Exactly. So they'll feel justified in, in, in sticking with things. But at this point, there still should be a problem, you know. With, Absolutely. And, and, you know, I'm right. not judging. It should be. It's so been long enough. I haven't walked away. Right, right. And it's obvious. You know, a lot You're of people want right. to point to his performance, but there were documented statements from, quote, unquote, anonymous executives in the NFL that said, I wouldn't touch him. He's a traitor to his country. Um, some of them spoke on, you know, tried to throw the fan base under the bus. Well, if I sign him, the fans are going to do this. So it's not just performance-based. You know, it's it's obvious that his stance has caused, you know, him to be. Oh, yeah. But a lot of people are still not. Yeah. Right. But a lot of people are trying to use that as an excuse. Man. This is uh is is extremely heavy because I mean it just correlates to so many other things that because you know we've all been kind of indoctrinated and raised up in a certain way to like you know buy into certain social structures and social systems as well as through marketing and you know mass media we buy into certain things that become normal and it's like it's so hard to to make a move in mass you know, to get from up under the various forms of oppression that all of us feel in some way. And, you know, my deep thoughts, and I'm sure a lot of people's deep thoughts, it all leads me back to, to the way our economic system is structured and, and, and the way and how, it, how it, the, 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 the mechanics of that current economic system, it, it leads to these various things that we're talking about in so many ways. I feel like it's even stronger than, you know, we talk about, for me, everything is a system. And, you know, we talk about race on this show. So we talk about the system of systemic racism or the system of race in itself. But above all of that, what keeps all that churning, I feel like is, is, is capitalism in its current form or, you know, our economic system in its current form is that it feeds that. And, and because it's so profitable on so many levels in so many ways, you know, we, 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 we can't in mass get from under it. Um, and a lot of times when I start talking this way or I, I comment on people's threads, you know, about certain things and I go there, you know, people always say that, you know, Scott, you're being idealistic and, you know, that's just not reality. How can we deal with here and the now? And ultimately, John, when you talk about people making a move in mass to get behind something as simple as like boycotting the NFL because of those things, for me, that carries over to so many other things as well that we talk about. How about, you know, when can we get together in mass? to do something about our criminal justice system and, and the fact that we are we have the largest, you know, population of criminals and inmates than any other developed country in the world. Like, this is supposed to be the land of the free, but we lock people up, you know, for right. a, a million different stupid reasons. And we could talk about the, the war on drugs and how profitable. much damage that's done yeah. to people. <laughs> it's, yeah, so when are we in mass going to come from up under any of that 
And, I mean, these are the questions that I, that I literally daydream about and, and ask myself, and it's, it's so heavy. It's so heavy. And then we can – it goes back to something you said, Dev, that sports is a micro, microcosm of, you know, society and reality. Right. And this situation about boycott NFL carried over to so many things. So, with that being said, I personally would love to see Kaepernick not get signed to see what type of movement can come from behind that. But now I'm at the point where I feel like eventually someone's going to say, well, maybe we should sign him so we can avoid the level of publicity and boycotting that's going to come from it. Do you think, do you think there's anything like that going on, Dev, in any of the general managers uh, and owners' world? What, where they're trying to uh, avoid the – Where they may the say, maybe we should sign him. Like, so, yeah – I don't know. Well, it's a thought. Well, well I, I, like I, drawing straws to whoever draws a small <laughs> straw. Well, I threw that scenario yeah. out on our latest on our latest podcast. I threw that scenario out because, you know, the latest team to talk with him uh, were were the uh, Baltimore Ravens, who has a black GM. So I was wondering, you know, looking at Flacco's injury, you know, he's not supposed to he's not supposed to be out that long. So I'm thinking, okay, Ozzie Newsom right. could be just making a play for his own PR within the black community uh-huh. by entertaining and maybe signing Kaepernick, knowing that it doesn't have to be long-term. But at the same time, is his spot solidified in the organization enough to make that move without significant backlash on himself? So, you know, I, I kind of right. threw that out there thinking, you know, he could possibly do it just to up his his status within his own community, but but I'm I'm not sure. But I, it's 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 a possibility, man. It's it's a definite possibility. Interesting. So let's let's segue into um, Michael Vick, and you know one of the things that Michael one of the things that happened over the course of the last few weeks is that Michael Vick has been going around on some of the uh, NFL shows and. And on one of the shows, uh, you know, he made the comment that he thinks that Colin Kaepernick should cut his hair. Like, that should be the first thing that he does in order to get back in the good graces of, you know, again, management and ownership in the NFL. And immediately a lot of people, um, a lot of African-American people, you know, push back against Michael Vick, saying that, you know, Michael Vick has is, uh, lost his way. You know, he's, he's tripping. He doesn't know what he's talking about. You know, he's a sellout. And, and various things. Um, so, that, what, what was your your, your take and, and and you guys and your show and some of the, you know, some perspective that you gained from that situation? Well, first of all, I I wasn't as shocked as a lot of people were because if you look back on Michael Vick's career, you know, he's kind of been towing that line for a long time because of his own situation. And I don't necessarily and, – and mind you, Michael Vick is someone that the black community probably blindly uh, supported and, and defended for a long time now. But mm-hmm. I think he I – don't, I don't think what he said was in malice by, by any means. It probably looks bad that a few days later he got a, a position on the coaching staff in Kansas City. So now you have a lot of people saying that he was basically dancing <laughs> to get an NFL job. I don't think he was coming from a place of malice. I just think he was coming from a skewed perspective because this is the advice that he got when he had a criminal trial. He had to go before a judge. You know, he had to try to get his standing back in the NFL once he got out of jail. 
what people have to remember is Colin Kaepernick did not commit a crime. Like I don't I don't see why he has to repaint his image like he did not commit a crime. And and that's what I can't get a lot of people that I debate this topic with to understand. Now, what people say to me as far as pushback is well, in corporate America that's how it is, but the NFL isn't exactly corporate America because if you look throughout the spectrum of the NFL, you know, hairstyles are wild and crazy everywhere you look. But if you're still producing and you're still producing at a high level, people don't care what your hair look like. What your hair looks like. And they also, <laughs> like you guys spoke on earlier, they really don't care what you're doing off the field. You can be supported and you can be defended for any crime that you may commit if you're still good enough to make money for an NFL franchise. That's, that's where we are with Colin Kaepernick. I think people are, I think franchises are weighing his potential production against the backlash and maybe the media circus that signing him uh, may bring. And so far he's, he's not coming out great in that battle, but I think Mike Vick, I just think his perspective was skewed with his comments. Yeah, I agree. And I also agree that there was no malice there. I think a lot of people, it's interesting. I think it just kind of comes back to what John said, like the people with the loudest voices lack the most, um, I guess, uh, uh, critical thinking skills and awareness to kind of process complexity. And there was no way that Mike Vick meant any malice or was trying to like sell out in any, any type of way. It was just, he was kind of giving the advice that he got based on the things that he went through and he was on the spot and he was just talking, but he wasn't like, the way that I feel like a lot of people blew that way out of proportion. Uh, John, did you have any thoughts on that? No, I would just concur with you guys. He didn't have malice, and he was honestly speaking, like you said, from we only speak from the perspective that we have, and that was basically probably right. what was poured into his head day in and day out. You need to be walking this line if you want to get back in the NFL. So he's saying basically, you know, Colin, here's what worked for me. You know what I mean? And it worked for him. He got another, what, six years, seven years in the NFL. Yeah, absolutely. I think, and I think what absolutely. made it worse was the way it was being viewed because of who he was around, who he was speaking to. Um, Jason Whitlock is not a favorite. <laughs> He's not a favorite within his own community because it seems like he goes out of his way to speak against, you know, black people and anything that black people may be doing right or wrong. So, Mike Vick kind of seemed to to become comfortable once he said, you know, his first few words, and Jason Whitlock was even shocked that he was saying it. And he started agreeing with him and, and, you know, telling him that he's 100% correct. I think Michael Vick got comfortable. You know, he he, he fit into that little groove, and he just kept going where he probably could have stopped, you know, after the hair comments. But he kind of got comfortable with his audience. Yeah. I think that's why, like, Jason Whitlock and Mike, and what Mike Vick was saying, they kind of fall in that group of people who kind of just, you know, we're, we're the toe-the-company line people. We are the, you know, I mean, literally taking it back to another analogy that you gave earlier, Dad, when you talked about the way this, com- this country was formed. This country was formed uh, based on protests. However, there were also loyalists during that era as well. There were, there were colonists, you know, who were loyalists. They were the ones who wanted to continue to follow the British rule and, quote unquote told a company line and you know there was didn't want to shake things up and, and, and conform to whatever the status quo was. But then there was those 
those who were who were rebellious and who wanted to push for, you know, things to be more, you know, better or in their vision of what they saw America to to be and become, and and literally this country, like you say, was formed on protest. So I find it interesting that even you know a few hundred years later, we still have that dynamic in society. We have those total company line people, the loyalists. And then we have those people who are rebellious and they across various different elements in society, whether it be in race or in business or in the corporate world or whatever. Um, and, and I just find it interesting and I kind of can always make that connection to historical context uh, with, with most of these things. Um, and, and the other thing that's interesting is, and I'll just put this out there really quick before we close up, because we're going to wrap up here shortly, um, is that for me, and I wanted to share this with some of our listeners, because I know some of the listeners may be listening to us for the first time. There may be some War Room Sports uh, listeners who are listening to the show because Devin is a guest um, and may not realize that John, um, John, I don't know. You can correct me if I'm wrong. I'll just say this. One, John voted for Donald Trump, and I know that there's a sentiment out there that thinks that, like, everyone who votes for someone, they all think the same and act the same. And traditionally, most Trump voters are, quote, unquote, uh, conservative and traditionally conservative people are the, the total line people. But John, I know John, I know you to be more of a push the envelope, um, you know, rebellious, you know, fight for what's right person and not necessarily, you know, someone who's going to always conform or, or et cetera. And I think it's cool for our listeners to understand that nuance, that, that, that complexity in who we all are as individuals. And there's no such thing as a standard, you know, anything. So even though you are a Donald Trump supporter, a Donald Trump voter, some of our listeners may be surprised that you share some of your sentiments being that person. Does, does, absolutely. Does that make sense, John? No, absolutely. In fact, awesome. I tell people all the time, don't try to put me in a box because the box doesn't fit. And uh, that's what I love about this show is we get to speak honestly and authentically about what we believe in and hopefully break down some of those stereotypes of what people think, you know, what we look like we should be saying or thinking or feeling. What we do every show uh, is we close out with our solution segment. And this is why I challenge the guests to think about and share solutions to some of the issues that we're discussing. Uh, and a lot of times you may just be re reiterating something that we already stated, but, you know, Dev, Devin, I want to, you know, ask you if you can, you know, offer up any thoughts, any ideas of any solutions uh, in line uh, with the topic for today and some of the, you know, the race-related um, themes that go throughout sports, um, you know, and kind of wrapping it up, is there a solution to some of the divisiveness that comes from, um, you know, race-related conversations in sports? Um, what I can offer, and I'm sure it's been offered plenty of times before, um, I would just encourage people to think outside of their box sometimes, you know, and, and try to see things from the perspective of of others. Um, if we don't do that, then there's no way we're going to solve a lot of these race-related problems in sports and America in general uh, because people refuse to see things from someone else's perspective. Like when we, we talk about things that happened in the past, like people may romanticize on the fact that the country was built on protests. But now, you know, when someone's protesting something and you don't necessarily agree with it, then there's this kind of backlash. You know, so it's always that type of thing. Like if you can't wear someone else's shoes, you know, if you can't walk a mile in someone else's shoes, at least try to see things from their perspective. And until we can do that, 
you know, a lot of these problems won't get solved. Absolutely. John, do you have anything? I'm sorry, I muted myself out. Can you hear me now? Yes. Okay, sorry about that. No, I would say that, um, again, along the same lines of what Devin said, when it comes to, you know, all of these issues, we have to look in the mirror. And and I, I love that you shared what you shared during the show, Scott, because, you know, I've always said people get mad at me. You know, I've been a sales trainer for three decades. People get mad at me when I say certain things, but I really do believe in my heart that they're the truth. And, you know, people are only motivated by what's important to them. And when I say that, people get that knee-jerk reaction like, oh, I'm not a selfish person. It's like, yeah, all of us are deep down because we don't get moved by things that don't truly affect us. And you made a great point in sharing that, that there were things that you overlooked because of your excitement about being entertained by the NFL. And now you're going, holy crap, I probably should have, you know, made this decision a long time before, but it didn't, it doesn't make you a good or a bad person. It just, it didn't move you. So according to, you know, all of us, we have things that are, you know, considered deal breakers, whether it's a relationship, business, sports, whatever, we've got deal breakers. And so, you know, my, my offer as a solution or, or a thought as a solution would be that, you know, we as a society stop coming from a place of fear, you know, and people get mad when I say that. Oh, I'm not afraid of anything. Yeah, we're all always making those decisions that when we speak, are we coming from a place of love because we want things to get better or a place of fear because we're trying to protect ourselves and stay guarded? And, you know, this conversation is an opportunity for people to actually say, you know what, I do want things to get better. And, yeah, will it suck if I don't watch the NFL this year and all of a sudden, you know, I don't know who the, the activist leader would be to actually make that effectively happen. But if, if hundreds of thousands of people showed up and took advantage of social media and said, here's what we're doing on Sundays instead of watching the NFL and just mass social media, people at the park with their kids or bowling or whatever, and, and said, this is how we're going to speak. We're not going to use our mouth anymore. We're going to show you we're not buying in and we're not spending our money. Then all of a sudden we can get people's attention because you're hundred percent right. Devin did nothing criminal, but he's being treated worse than convicted documented criminals because he's speaking and taking advantage of the free speech that our country was founded on. So that's my two cents. Awesome. I don't have anything to add. I mean, both of you guys have contributed greatly, you know, to the solution segment. And I know that our listeners, um, you know, have a lot to reflect on. And, you know, that's what we try to do during this show. And hopefully we've been able to model, you know, what it sounds like to dialogue and, and critically think uh, about these issues and kind of level up from some of the uh, the low-hanging fruit and the, the fodder that we get in, in traditional media. Um, so with that being said, that's our time for today. I appreciate everyone listening, and I want to give a special thank you to my guest co-host, John Costino, and our guest host today, uh, I'm sorry, our guest, uh, Devin McMillan from the War Room Sports Network. And uh, we definitely got to talk offline about that. (laughs) But, um, you know, the War Room Sports Show. 
Awesome, man. Look forward to it. So, Devin, again, please tell our listeners how they can best connect with you and your work. All right. Before I do that, I just want to tell you again, man, this is this is why I, I love your podcast because, you know, as another solution, like these conversations must be had. You know, that's one thing there. Like a lot of people are afraid to have these conversations. And when they do have these, you know, some people who step into that realm, the conversations turn into arguments. And, you know, here it, it doesn't seem to do that. So there's more solutions based. But you can check everything we do out do at War Room Sports out at warroomsports.com. Um, that's the podcast network, uh, War Room Sports TV. Uh, we have a free mobile app on Android and iOS. Uh, we have bloggers. We have everything. Just go to the hub, warroomsports.com, and you can see every single thing that we're doing. Awesome, man. Thank you for those those words. It's greatly appreciated coming on, and I'm sure, and I hope you'll be open to it, but I'm sure there will be opportunities for us to do this again in the future. Always, anytime. Awesome. And, John, if you don't mind, um, you know, just sharing with our listeners how they can connect with you and your work as well. Sure, absolutely. First and foremost, Devin, it was a pleasure meeting you. Love doing the show with you, and I would look forward to it again anytime. Thank you, John. I, I feel the same way. Absolutely. And, Scott, um, people can connect with me on Facebook. Uh, they can hit me uh, via email, Costino at yahoo.com. But bottom line is it's just always a pleasure to be here, and uh, I love the work that you do. And uh, Dr. Scott Speed, anytime I can be of any value or benefit, please do not hesitate to ask. Thank you, John. Likewise, and I appreciate your continued and ongoing support. So, again, and thank you, most importantly, to our listeners. This show would be nothing without you, without you your feedback, uh, your listens. Uh, you know, it, it, it makes this work uh, feel meaningful. So be sure to subscribe to the Race Haven podcast on the iPhone podcast app or Stitcher radio app for Android so that you never miss the dialogue. And if you love this show, please leave us a review on either of those platforms. Uh, this will help the show gain more visibility and listeners. You can connect with us by email. Uh, send your questions, your comments, your thoughts to solutions at racehavenpodcast.com. Or you can send those online through our Facebook page if you simply search for, uh, the, search for Race Haven Podcast on Facebook. Uh, and at racehavenpodcast.com. You can also join our discussion group on Facebook called the Race Haven Community Dialogue. If you just search for Race Haven Community Dialogue, you'll find a very active uh, discussion group. We now have uh, over 1,000 members uh, in, this, uh, in this private group. Uh, if you can join and, and just join the dialogue there, uh, you will definitely grow and be challenged and stretched there. A Race Haven is a safe place for people from diverse ethnic, religious, cultural, and political backgrounds to bring their, their perspectives, questions, assumptions, frustrations, and experiences to engage in thoughtful, honest, honest dialogue in an effort to transcend race and unify America. Remember, we are all smarter when we think together. Love y'all. Peace. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. 
Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.